0: Yes, it's the Mad Scientist here. Uh, welcome to part two of my interview for the Radical Personal Finance Podcast. Um, I missed my podcast intro music in part one, so I figured I'd break out the synthesizer for part two. Um, in part two of my interview, we uh, dive into tax advantage retirement accounts. Um, there are many ways that future early retirees can utilize these types of accounts, uh, and we discuss many of those ways during this part of the interview. Um, if you're interested in minimizing your taxes as much as possible during your working years then hopefully you're going to get a lot of good information out of this episode so uh enough from me uh enjoy the podcast and thank you again to joshua for having me on his show
1: all right, three strategies that you write articles about, and I want to go over these strategies because I think they're they're valid things, but a lot of times people don't um, understand kind of how how this can work. Mm-hmm. Number one is you talk about uh, traditional IRA versus Roth IRA. So walk us through your strategy and why you say to start with a traditional IRA, and walk us through your strategy of of how to do that and and how that works in an early retirement context.
0: Sure, sure. Um... And Yeah, this is this is one of the main reasons I started the blog. I I love the math behind all of this stuff and I didn't see that there was um there's a lot of advice out there but not a lot of it pertains to people that are uh pursuing early financial independence. Uh you know, most advice is geared towards people that are, you know, working to 65 and doing the you standard thing. So, um so yeah, this is uh a chance for me to dive into the math from a financial independence perspective. Um and yeah, before before diving into it, I, I just want to make the point that you know a lot of people focus on trying to you know eke out another one percent over the index, and they you know spend all their time picking stocks and doing all this stuff that may help them, but in most cases it won't. But then they ignore things like taxes and fees and transaction costs and like diversification and things like things that are in their control. They don't focus on, but then they try to make the money on things that they can't control. So that, so, taxes are a huge deal, and if you can minimize them, then you're going to be able to, you know, meet your goals much sooner. So I just wanted to get that out there before I dive into this. But um, but yeah, for someone who is pursuing financial independence, we're in a very unique situation where we're probably not going to make as much as we make right now. Um, I know for for me. I will never make this much because even if I get a job that pays this much, I'm not going to work 100% of the year to get that wage. I'll I'll, I'll maybe, you know, do 50% or just work a quarter of the year or whatever. So, so I know that I'm not going to, uh, make as much as I do now. So that, that already is one benefit of going traditional over Roth because, um, the tax that I'm paying now on my last dollar of income is a lot greater than the tax that I would be paying when I'm withdrawing from that account. Um, So that is already a benefit. Um, I personally like to take benefits that are available instantly. So I would much rather have the tax break now and have more of my money working for me than uh, put it in a Roth and then get that nice tax free withdrawal later on a lesser amount of total money just, uh, because every dollar that I put in into a tr- traditional IRA, I'm getting a hundred cents of value to buy the shares. So if it's a Roth, I'm actually only putting 80 cents worth of shares in the Roth because I got taxed on the 20 cents before I, before I could even buy the shares. So those, that extra 20 cents worth of shares is just going to com- compound and grow over, you know, the 30 plus years I have it in the account. and that is going to far exceed, I think, uh, you know, any downside to having to get taxed on that income later. But there are also, uh, very nice loopholes that not many people take advantage of, but only because they don't live the sort of lifestyle that I plan on living. Um, so, so there's, there's a way to actually convert your traditional IRA and 401k. Into a Roth IRA, um, it's you can. Do you want me to go into that now, or do you want me yeah, to, right, to come back to that? Yeah, no, okay. Go
1: ahead.
0: So yeah, so just to give you an idea of my strategy, I, I actually can't contribute to a traditional IRA because of my income limits, but my 401k x x the in a similar way. So say so I currently max out my 401k, so that's seventeen thousand five hundred bucks a year that goes into my 401k. So that's pre-tax money, so that means that's not taxed, so that lowers my taxable income by $17,500. So so already I'm saving thousands of dollars on tax that would have been taxed on that. Um, I then contribute that to my 401k, and I will continue to max that out until I stop working. So at the point I stop working, I can roll that 401k directly into a traditional IRA, because like I said, they're both similar types of accounts, and when you leave your job, you can roll that over into a a traditional IRA. So once it's there, um, I can gradually convert that to a Roth IRA. And the way that works is since you weren't taxed on the 401k or traditional IRA, you then have to pay tax when you convert a traditional to a Roth. But if, as Joshua mentioned, my expenses are going to be, very low, my income's going to be non existent, so well besides the the small amounts of uh you know that I'm drawing down on you know getting some dividends and um, capital gains and things like that, but it's going to be below the threshold that I'm even going to be taxed so it's possible to i think I worked out my numbers it's possible for me once I reach financial independence to transfer over $9,000 a year from my traditional IRA to my Roth IRA and not get taxed on a single penny of that transfer. So then since I have 30 years to transfer everything, by the time I reach standard retirement age of 59 and a half, I should have hopefully been able to convert my entire 401k, my entire traditional IRA that I funded back when my income was lower, I I should be able to transfer all of that money into a Roth IRA and not pay a single tax on the conversion, which would then result in all of that money being completely tax-free because it's tax-free going in, it's been growing tax-free, and then it'll be in a Roth IRA when I withdraw it. So then it will be completely tax-free at withdrawal. Um, So that is a great way to have completely tax-free retirement money um, legally and not going to jail. (laughs)
1: yeah it's it's a and this is a strategy um the only place that this strategy will like this strategy is an excellent strategy. The place that it works is if you're planning on either either if you're planning on having your income drop down to an extremely low level or if it happens for you uh by accident maybe through a layoff maybe through a medical condition something like that so this could either happen by plan like you're doing or it could also happen for people who are um, who are... Uh, just it happens through, through circumstance. But this is really valuable because the, the strategy that, that you're using by taking your upfront deduction you can generally get dependent... This, this is all income dependent. So again, this is not tax advice. You've got to consult, consult your own tax advisor who can walk you through the actual for your situation. But conceptually, if you can cut your income down through 401k and IRA contributions, that'll help you to get into a lower bracket it may help you to qualify for some more of the income based either tax credits or uh, deductions that are available to you Um, and by paying very very low taxes now and then like you said dropping your income out you can then do the conversion into a Roth and by picking it up little by little you can do this at a very very low uh, at a very very low cost or nothing and in addition to it by having by being in a um, in a at a low income level in, uh, don't know what don't what they call it, retirement, or, you know, financial independence under your plan. Uh, if you can keep your, if you can keep underneath the brackets, if you can keep underneath the 15% bracket, you could conceivably get to a point where you pay $0 of income tax um, because you have a, a low amount of earned income. You, any dividends in taxable accounts uh, would be tax and capital gains could be at a 0% level. Uh, and then also with doing this strategy and by carefully regulating how much income you pick up, um, it can result in a very low tax bill, but this is not something that that uh, you know. Generally, a CPA is going to point out to somebody. It's generally something that you need to understand at first, and then ask your CPA or, or yourself if you run them yourself. How much income you can you can pick up? Uh, the rules are generally with retirement accounts that you can't get the money out until you're at least fifty nine and a half years old without paying penalties on it. Well, there is a rule once you have money in the Roth IRA that after you've done the the contribution and the money has been in there for at least five years, you can withdraw uh, your basis in a Roth IRA, which is the amount of money that you've contributed and paid tax on, which under our example would be a, a low amount of money, but it's happening each year. After five years, you can go ahead and withdraw those contributions and use them for current income, even if you're before the age of 59 and a half. Exactly.
0: Um, and that's a huge point. And that's... I, I get a lot of questions It's like wow you're you're putting so much money into your retirement accounts but you can't get at it until you're 60 59 and a half and it's like what are you going how are you going to fund the next you know 29 and a half years of your life 28 and a year, half years of your life and it's like exactly that strategy is what I plan on using and um, I've seen it referred to other places as a Roth IRA conversion ladder um, and, and and it's and it, you're exactly right so it currently all that money is growing so those say i only put in $5000 into my 401k and i let it grow for 10 years and now it's $10000 or something when i do the conversion the whole 10000 acts as my contribution so then i could potentially withdraw that entire amount after 5 years um which is a which is a great nice little side benefit um of even taking your gains and accessing them beforehand. So, so yeah, in in my case, like I said, so assume that I, um, I'm going to, once, as soon as I achieve financial independence, I'm going to start converting, you know, $9,000 say per year, uh, from my traditional IRA to my Roth IRA. So that means after five years of doing that, then every year from then on out, if I continue doing that, uh, I'll be able to just withdraw. $9,000 $9,000 to live off of tax-free every single year from that account, uh, until I, well, until whenever I, just until my running, money runs out really. So, um, so yeah, so if you can come up with, as long as you have enough in your, uh, non-retirement accounts to fund, you know, five plus years of, uh, your lifestyle, then you can then sustain yourself potentially off the rest. Um, Paying little to no tax, so so yeah, sure. I if, if I if I needed to live off of fifteen thousand a year, then I could I could transfer that amount every year and create my fifteen thousand dollar Roth IRA ladder and pay a little bit of tax on it. But but I think I can if I live on less of that, then it makes sense to convert less, and then that way I'm not paying any tax. So
1: yeah, and there there there's some beauty, beautiful things to the to the Roth is that because there's no um, if you have a lot of money in a roth i r a and you 're past the the ages where you can take it out there 's no if you have a huge portfolio inside of a of a roth, you can take out a huge amount of dividends per year and 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 continue to have an effective tax rate of zero so if you have a lot of money in it you can you can do that there are also some there 's one other one that i want to point out in addition to what you said that a lot of people simply aren 't familiar with there is a rule called the um, a 72T distribution. Mm-hmm. So the IRS allows you one way to get money out of retirement accounts uh, before the age of 59 and a half without without um, paying penalties, and it's if you do it under what's called a series of substantially equal payments. Now, this is extremely dangerous for most people because most people aren't in a situation where they are uh, – There aren't, most people aren't in a situation where – they have so much um, money that they can start taking money out of retirement accounts before fifty nine and a half but in the context of an early retirement strategy like you're pursuing there if you have the money in a Roth IRA and you've got that contribution done starting at you know starting at really any age if you take the money out under a table an amortization table that is equal payments that are expected to last over your lifetime then the money can come out before the 59 and a half deadline without paying the penalty taxes, um, and in this case, without paying any taxes. Now, the the disadvantage, if you ever stop the money before 59 and a half, then you owe the penalty tax. And so this has to cont- continue for your lifetime. But in the right situation, for the right scenario, uh, for an early retiree looking to use these accounts for early... Early tax savings and later tax savings. If the rules continue as they are now, there are some ways of uh, of using the money. So
0: absolutely, <laughs> that's a great point as well. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to do that, just because uh, I'm hoping that maybe I won't even tap into tap into that money and just let it grow tax free. But yeah, that's an excellent way of knowing that you can get out that money without you know going through a Roth uh, conversion ladder or anything like that. So that's an excellent point.
1: Yeah, and you also want to choose carefully what what assets you put into a Roth IRA. So generally, if you're going to have both capital gains assets and um, income assets, so capital gains assets usually stocks and income assets such as bonds, you would usually want to put your um, you'd usually want to put your income assets in t- inside of your retirement account. So you could have a scenario by using some of the things that you're pointing out. You could have a scenario where you have a taxable brokerage account. That holds your stock, your stock portfolio. If you're if you're going to have have a, have a, a, a um, an asset allocation that's going to include both stocks and bonds, you could use the brokerage account to hold your stock portfolio. Which, with your low income, you can if you can keep under that 15% income limit, which is kind of the numbers where you're at with your low income, you can effectively have a zero percent capital gains rate and very favorable dividend rates. And then with your income investments inside of the Roth IRA. That would allow you to use um, you know, corporate bonds instead of municipal bonds, pick up a little bit of extra yield. And then you would be able to have that, that income coming out of your portfolio on a tax-free basis by using your Roth. So there's a lot of little lot of little useful tools here, which um, maybe we'll cover in more detail in the future. But for, for the right, for the right scenario, your strategy of start with IRAs and 401ks, especially if they're deductible now and then pursue the conversion strategy if your income is low in early retirement then it's a, it's a it's a powerful uh, powerful um strategy
0: yeah and i just ran some numbers just to give people an idea because it's not you know you're not eating ramen on on this plan um like i said say assume you convert 9000 a year you can still Live off of you know thirty plus thousand of dividends and long term capital gains and still not be taxed on any part of that convert that nine thousand dollar conversion so we're we're still talking big numbers here like you could, you could have an amazing life you know living off of you know your thirty five thirty thirty grand worth of uh whatever your investments are returning and you're drawing down on them and dividends and things, and still do you know nine thousand every year converting it into a roth so it's uh, yeah the the tax code does seem to favor early retirees, which is quite nice. <laughs> um, and 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 the amount of money that you can actually save by implementing some of these strategies is so much more than you're going to get if you try to beat the markets or you know try to find the the star mutual fund manager and things like that. So your time is much better spent, you know, learning the tax code and um, learning some of these little uh tricks and loopholes and uh you know taking advantage of these types of accounts and uh you're gonna shed years and years off of your retirement and not get any more risk. Uh whereas if you're just trying to, you know, pick stocks and beat the market, you yeah, you may you may knock a few years off, but you may add a couple decades and uh your risk is much higher. So
1: yeah, we want to use uh, every one of these things. So, um, and by the way, obviously, anytime you're talking about financial stuff, it probably doesn't need to be said, but I'll say it. Anything. This is all situation dependent. So hopefully, people can just use these ideas and then look at your situation and consult somebody who's qualified to, you know, qualified and properly credentialed to to give specific advice. But maybe some of the, these ideas would help help each person to figure out their their specific um, their specific situation because neither of us is probably qualified to <laughs> give specific tax advice. But
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that's always <laughs> worth mentioning um, but yeah, at least you have something to go and talk about <laughs> and ask about.
1: Now, the next strategy of the three is you have what you call the ultimate retirement account and this is a uh, type of retirement account that most people don't have a clue about. So, walk us through a summary uh, of what you consider to be the ultimate retirement account and why
0: okay, yeah, so, as I said, I love taking it taking advantage of tax advantages upfront. i you know I know this is going to be probably the most I'm ever earning, uh, so I want to lower my tax burden now as much as I possibly can because then that means more of my money's working for me over a longer period of time so so yeah, the ultimate retirement account in my mind is the HSA, which is the Health Savings Account. Um, now this is an account that people can contribute to if they are currently enrolled in what's called a high deductible health plan. Um, so uh, if you if you aren't, uh, then you won't be able to get the tax advantages of contributing to this type of account. And, and the contribution limits are much lower than things like 401k and uh, even IRAs, so you're not going to get too much bang for your buck, but um it is definitely a, a good way to lower your taxable income uh and getting lots of the benefits of both a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA so to to explain how this works and why it is so beneficial to contribute to so so the idea is that you can contribute i think it's 3250 uh in 2013 i think the contribution limit is so you can contribute up to 3,250 a year, and that is pre-tax, so you're not taxed on that income. And you can then invest it, uh, depending on the the people that are holding your HSA. Um, some have better investment options; others just have, you know, like a savings account or equivalent. Um, mine, I can, you know, invest in broad-based broad index funds, stock market index funds, things like that that have low expense ratios. So, I treat it just as another investment account. So, the idea is you can put this money in and then use that money for medical expenses without paying any tax on it. So, that means that, you know, if you spend 200 bucks at the doctor, that $200 is completely tax-free. So, already you're you're better off because no doubt, you're going to have something, some medical expense in your life that you're going to have to pay for, and it's much better to just pay for it with tax-free money than it is to pay for uh, after-tax money. So, that's the that's the that's the main idea behind the account is to allow you to pay for healthcare expenses uh, with your own money and uh, not pay any tax on that money. So, my idea is though, uh, there's a little. It's not it's not a loophole, I guess, but it it's just part of the rules. You don't have to take out that money initially, as soon as you pay for the, the health expense. So for instance, say like I said, I had a $200 doctor bill. So yes, I could take that $200 out of my HSA, hand it to the doctor, and then that's it. Uh, I just used tax-free money to pay for it, which is great. Alternatively, I could pay for that with $200 out of my wallet that's, you know, I've already been taxed on. It's just my cash. And then I can leave that $200 sitting in my HSA for the next 40 years to grow tax-free. And then I could take out that $200 tax-free. So this is another way that I'm saving for my early retirement. Um, So it's sort of acting to me like, Combination of a traditional IRA, a Roth IRA, and an early retirement IRA because every time I spend money at a doctor, I'll keep track of it. That money will continue to grow tax free. And then, say, when I'm 49, I'm like, oh man, I really need 200 bucks. Then I can take that out tax free and keep all of the investment earnings that have accumulated over those 19 years and those will continue to grow. So it's like, Um, so yeah, it's, it's like, I've been calling it the super IRA. Um, and the best thing is, so, so you're saying, so you may be saying like, oh, well, that's great, but what if I don't have, you know, $3,200 worth of medical expenses before, you know, I turn 60 or something. The good news is that that account then just converts into a traditional IRA. So, um, so yeah, at the worst case, it's just a traditional IRA. At the best case, it's, a super Roth, where it's you know a traditional IRA because you don't pay tax going in, it's like a Roth IRA because you don't pay tax going out, and it grows tax free, and you can withdraw some of the money prior to a standard retirement age, so you can use it in early retirement as well. So that's, I hope that summarized it. I uh, my post on it is probably a lot more eloquent, but.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this should uh, give people just a teaser. The HSA for, for early retirees is, and I've pointed people a couple times to your article because it, it does do a good job of kind of explaining it. Um, most people aren't aren't so familiar with HSAs, and most people don't know about the fact that they can take the money out and spend it on any expense after the age of 65. So now, pay you're going to go ahead and pay income taxes at ordinary income tax rates after that time, but that's identical to a traditional IRA. So, but most people aren't familiar with that, and people often kind of get these these confused with flexible spending accounts FSAs, which have to be spent each year, uh, and they don't realize that the money can accumulate inside of the HSA. Um, my encouragement is is this is a good way of stacking functions for early retirees. You're likely going to, uh, uh, you know, legally now with the uh, um, changes in U.S. American uh, health care law, um, you're going to need to maintain some health insurance. And by the way, one caveat, it's a little unclear at the moment what, with the implementation of the, uh, the um, what do you call it, Obamacare or the Patient Protection Act, Affordable Care Act, or whatever it is, with the changes in health insurance. The future of high deductible health plans is a little bit uncertain, and then the future of health savings accounts is a little bit uncertain. Doesn't seem like anything alarming, but keep it, if you're listening to this a year two, three years from now, which is July of 2013, check the current rules because this may may have changed um, since then. But the, the flexible spending accounts, people, you know, you have to spend those each year or you lose the money. That doesn't occur with the health savings account. So the health savings account gives you an upfront deduction, and one way to add to your your case for a super retirement account, unlike contributions to IRAs and Roth IRAs, um, my understanding is that health savings accounts are not subject to Medicare and Social Security taxes. So in, in a traditional IRA, although you don't pay current income taxes, your money, you still have to pay Medicare and Social Security taxes on the income. With a health savings account, you don't, so that's an extra savings the money can accumulate most people aren't familiar with how much how how liberal the definitions of what health expenses are so check the IRS website there is a um um I'll put a link to it I think it's publication 502 where you can check the uh the IRS um lists of what it what qualifies as an expense but even things like the ones that always interest me is I wear contacts contacts and contact solution uh are qualified Um, some prescription drugs. It used to be that over-the-counter drugs were covered. That rule changed a few years ago. Even things that maybe traditional health insurance doesn't quite cover fully, things like chiropractic adjustments, um, other types of, of, of alternative medicine may be covered. Check the IRS rules. So there's a lot of flexibility to it, plus the fact that people are paying with your own dollars. Allows you sometimes with your healthcare provider to to negotiate a, a discount a, health, a cash payment discount that doesn't necessarily go through the insurance claim and sometimes you get better deals because of that. So when you start stacking current expenses current things um, uh, on top of your ideas about delaying the distribution and also taking it as retirement, it definitely bears looking into and it's one of those valuable. Places that people can stack their benefits, um, if they're able to arrange their financial affairs in such a way that they can make the contributions.
0: Yeah, and, th- and you made some great points about the FSA because that I actually just got an email from a reader recently, and he said, you know, I got I got this money. I'm about to dive into you know my health savings account, but. I was reading the fine print, and it said that you need to use this before the end of the year, or else you'll lose it. And I hurried up and emailed him really quickly, and I was like, "No, no, that's an FSA. That's a flexible spending account, and you will use it lose it. So definitely do not uh, uh, put all the put all your money in there if you don't think you're going to spend it within a year." So, uh, and then he wrote back, and he's like, "Yep, that was an FSA, and it looks like I don't have an HSA to contribute to." So, um, so that's very very important. Um, because yeah, you will lose the money out of a flexible spending account. So uh make sure you check that first. And and your your uh Medicare, uh that was also a great point. That'll save you another, what is it, seven and a half percent or seven point six five percent or something uh that you would have had to pay on that uh that money. Uh so that's definitely another excellent benefit.
1: Yeah. And to your reader there, um, just a suggestion to, to listeners an HSA is generally the HSA account is something that generally most places you'll want to set up yourself so your employer may offer you a high deductible health plan which is HSA qualified if that's the case they may not generally an employer doesn't say here's who you have to use for your health savings account you can go out and research and find a provider that will do it um, outside of that so if you have a, a health insurance plan that's a high deductible health plan that's HSA qualified you can still open the account. It generally won't be something that is deducted off of your, your pay stub. So speak with your human resources department and ask about that. Number two, for early retirees who don't have an employer, this is still possible with an individually owned high deductible health plan. So as long as your plan is HSA qualified and your health insurance provider will let you know that you can use an HSA bank or um, generally they're offered by banks or sometimes brokerage companies and you can research um, what would be the best provider, um, then uh, you can open this, this type of account on your own. There are a lot of acronyms in health insurance. Don't get them confused. There's HSAs, which is health savings account, FSAs, which is flexible spending accounts, HRAs, which are health reimbursement accounts. Each of them is unique and has their own, um, their own um, uh, advantages and disadvantages and their own implementation. But hopefully this will give people a uh, little bit of information to talk to their HR people or, or research further on their own. Um, anything else on the HSA brand before we go on to the last thing I want to talk about
0: no no I think that yeah I think that covers it and then yeah those are all really good points that you made
1: um, absolutely free Ivy League degree right yep talk me through this what are you doing
0: yeah I'm currently one class and a thesis away from getting a master's degree um, this is something you know I, what's I, your degree I in? I'm sorry
1: what's your degree going to be in
0: it's yeah so it's it's a complete 180 from what my computer science bachelor's uh of science degree was um so the the i I have to say first first I'm working full time so there's there's only at the institution that I work at um there's only a few programs that you can do part time and this is one of them so I'm getting my master's of arts in liberal studies um but my thesis is actually going to be on uh I actually just was emailing my thesis advisor this morning about my proposal um but it should be something that would be uh interesting to both of our listeners so hopefully it'll result in some pretty cool research but um but yeah no it's a it's a master of arts uh I've always thought I would go back to school I've always wanted to try grad school and um but there's no way I would want to pay for it <laughs> because I currently don't need any other qualifications to reach financial independence so there's no way I was going to set myself back, you know, 50k just to just to go back to school for a bit, but um but yeah, no, we uh my wife and I moved to an area where there's uh excellent university close by um and I decided at the time I was working remotely for a uh financial company and uh so yeah, once we moved close to uh the Ivy League school, I was like, well, let me let me look into it, see if there's any programs that, you know, I could take, uh, you know, could complete for free as an employee. So uh, there was, and it sounded interesting and something that I hadn't done before, because like I said, I, I was computer science, so I was just doing math and science and programming pretty much my entire undergraduate career. Um, whereas this one's much different, lots of reading and paper writing and discussions and things like that. So, uh, so yeah, I thought it'd be worth it, so I uh, I decided I was going to go for it, and so I just kept an eye on the, the job boards for the school, and then as soon as one popped up that was uh, what I do, um, I applied, got it, and, yeah, I'm less than a year from graduation, which feels great, because it's been, doing it part-time is quite difficult, Uh you know, working full time and then trying to, trying to do papers and read tons of books and all this sort of stuff. Um, and since I'm doing it part time, it took over, I think it'll be just under three years that I'll complete it in. Um, and I have less than a year left, so I feel like I can see the light at the end of the tunnel and yeah, it's been, it's been great. And I highly recommend it for anyone that wants to go back to school. Um, I think that people could even get undergrad degrees. Um, By by going this route, Um, I'm not I'm not sure on that, but I think that that's the case. But uh, you can definitely get a graduate degree, and yeah, it's uh, it's been very fulfilling. So,
1: yeah, this can be, and the reason I wanted to talk about this is there's education is many people's one of their major expenses, and people are very passionate about education. Some people passionately believe that you know without formal education you your your future is doomed and some people very passionately believe that if you go down the route of formal education your future is doomed so <laughs> right. there are a lot of strong feelings on it but and and you know you and i don't know what's right for people but if people are interested in formal education the approach that you're pursuing is one that can add a lot of benefits and so i have thought a little bit about some different ways that that you can leverage leverage these and again this this it may just be a couple ideas in here for, for people to, um, you know, to pursue on their own and see what's right for them. Number one is that exactly like you said, many universities, if you're working for that university, um, will give you either discounted or completely free um, access to their classes. Usually, it's a cap of a certain number of classes, and I think that could be done at undergraduate levels, graduate degrees, uh, and even you know, uh, masters and PhD type of work, and so. The other thing is that by working at a university, a lot of times the university may be a very enjoyable work environment. So rather than somebody working at a job that they don't like, uh, that's very stressful, and then going out and taking on student loans to pay for a degree, it may be worth looking into um, working at a university and then using the discounted courses as a way to do that. And by lowering your taxable income, it's it's possible that you may be able to simply uh, have a lower tax bill if you 're earning a higher income and you go to a lower income rather than having to pay for your income with taxable dollars you know you 're getting a valuable fringe benefit um, a lot of times also universities offer generous benefit programs that go beyond their salaries so universities sometimes offer very gen- ben- excuse me very generous retirement programs with generous matches generous health insurance so if you look at the total value of a compensation package and include into it. The dollars of your degree—that what you would be paying for the classes if you were paying for them out of pocket—it could be compelling. Um, those, those
0: are all excellent, excellent points, and that was some of the uh, things that I had to consider. Because I, like I said, I was working for a big city uh, financial company. I was working remotely, so I had a lot of flexibility as far as that's concerned, um, and I was making good money. Um, and, and it was a decrease to go and work for the university, but. If you add up all the benefits, like the tons of paid time off, um, lots of holidays, great, you know, retirement benefits, and healthcare, and things like that, and if you do add all those up, it is pretty similar to what I was actually earning as a, you know, as a pay by the hour consultant, uh, which is pretty impressive. And then when you factor in the educational benefits, then it totally blows it out out of the water because uh, right now I think. I think it costs uh, over six grand per course, and I'm taking four courses per year, so that's another twenty-four grand of value that I'm extracting from being employed by the university. And as you said, it's much lower stress. It's just a totally different environment from corporate America. Like it's uh, uh, much more rewarding as well. I'm, you know, I'm helping some of the smartest kids in the country get a degree rather than. Helping the bottom line of some financial company, um, and I, I actually enjoy my work a lot more. And yeah, it's just it's great getting a salary uh, and going to school when I, most of my classmates are paying you know fifty grand a year and not getting paid. So
1: yeah, and in addition uh, for early retirees, I think there's some other benefits. I'm familiar with some friends of mine. Who uh, worked at a university and but also by being students and working at the university had access to some university housing, and that housing is provided they needed to pay for it, but is provided at a discounted rate or they can negotiate that as part of their compensation package and so if you have university housing that can be, that can help when people are looking to decrease their expenses substantially because it generally would be less than maybe what you could find, you know, in the miles around a university. In addition, you know, again, stacking functions, if you are living and working on a university campus where you're getting your education, it's probable that you can lower some of your other expenses, such as transportation expenses. Um, you know, most, many college students will ride a bike to, to class. And so now instead of having to ride a bike 10 miles across town for a commute, you, you can simply walk to, walk to your job that lowers your expenses. Also things like entertainment in the university system, their college students generally aren't the most affluent. There's plenty of free and cheap entertainment. That's really interesting that would allow people to live an extremely enjoyable, but lower cost lifestyle. And people forget about this a lot of times, um, that it's not just something that you can only do at 20 years old. Some friends of mine, you know, we're doing it in their mid 30s with kids, and still able to live in. They weren't living in the dorms with the 18 year old freshman students, but they were living in on campus housing. Working there, um, both couples work. Excuse me, both spouses worked at the university. Um, and that's a it's a compelling situation financially if you can start to stack those functions. So there's a way to get a degree and get an expensive education without necessarily going the retail route. And uh, just to go into details for a second, my 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 friends who are who were um, both spouses were working at the university, earning the income when you take on the fact that you have a couple of kids, you're living and working on a university campus where you have entertainment, low transportation costs, low housing expenses, when you take the kids and you take relatively low income but a lot of value for the income and you start to run that through the tax code, you can qualify for the child deductions, you can qualify with a generous 401k or 403b as the case may be, retirement accounts, you can qualify for refundable earned income tax credits, I mean, it's a uh, it's a substantial substantial um, financial gain for the right person in the right circumstances.
0: Absolutely, and you forgot one of the best things: the the university library. There's just a you could just keep yourself entertained for decades with the amount of stuff that's in there. You they got DVDs, CDs. They got tons of books, and yeah, you're you're absolutely right. There's a lot of fringe benefits of working for a university that um, could. Yeah, make it very worthwhile for someone that's thinking about going back to school, and uh, and yeah, just in case anybody questions anything, I I use four hundred one k synonymously with four hundred three b, but I actually have a four hundred three b since it's a uh, nonprofit uh, entity yeah. that I work for. But yeah, same same type of thing, same account, pretty much. But yeah, just in case some of your more uh, <laughs> your. Listeners that are listening very closely, then, don't want anybody to think that, hey, how's he have a four hundred one k if he works at a university? But that's
1: true. <laughs> and then two other things, like just to add on to that, two other ideas that I've had, and if you have any others, the nice thing about universities is many times the universities have programs of uh, either whether it's study or employment where they're working together with other schools that are in other places in the country or other places in the world. And so, if somebody has an interest in world travel. Um, it may be that by pursuing their education at a foreign university, uh, when I was younger I considered studying at um, uh, University of Hong Kong because I was interested in, in living there. I didn't pursue it, but it could be that by, by being a student in an international context, you can take some of those things that you talked about earlier with travel, you can combine it with earning an income and combine it with educational value, and now you've stacked so many functions on top of each other that you've got a really powerful, uh, really powerful scenario.
0: Absolutely, yep. Uh, studying abroad in Glasgow was one of the, uh, yeah, the best years of my life, and yeah, met my wife over there, and completely changed my outlook on everything. So yeah, that could, that could be a very fun
1: and rewarding thing to do. Yeah, and then the last one, and then we'll wrap up, is that just to remind people that a lot of times this isn't necessarily just limited to university level. Many times, if somebody's looking for a way, whether it's um, private school, many private schools for uh, elementary and high school students offer similar programs, and it could be that if uh, if somebody, some, uh, something that my parents were able to do, um, or that my parents did that allowed uh, me and some of my siblings to attend a private school, it could be that instead of two parents working at higher income jobs, it could be that with one of the parents um, switching to working at a, a either a university so that their children could go through college or whether it's, it's because this is also a strategy for kids, that if you have children that you need to put through university, the same type of program can apply to parents and, and their children's students. Or at high schools, you can get a significant discount up to 100% on tuition. And if that lowers your, again, if that lowers your tax bill because you have a lower earned income, if that allows for you to... Uh, pursue some of these other strategies that we're talking about, um, consider it and consider if some of these strategies might help, help you to achieve, um, achieve your financial goals sooner. So definitely great advice. Brandon, what did we miss anything else you want to add? That's about it. As far as what I had on my list of things to talk about, anything that we missed or any, any last, yeah, that
0: was great. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, that was, like I said, I was looking forward to being on the other side of it and it was a lot, a lot easier. So uh, you did a fantastic job and. the, uh, I know I had a great time, so I appreciate you letting me uh, come on and talk about some of this stuff.
1: Awesome. Thanks again, Brandon.
0: Hey, my pleasure, Joshua. Take care.
1: All right, bye.